As the official healthcare provider of Minnesota United, Alina Health is focused on keeping our loons in top condition. And with expertise in orthopedics, sports medicine, heart care, and more, Alina has the team to keep your family in the game too. The experts at Alina Health take the time to get to know you as a whole person, helping you achieve wellness for your mind, body, and spirit. It's an altogether better kind of healthcare. Learn more at alinahealth.org. everybody welcome to sound of the loons week i don't know it's i think it's uh august 29th today we always have to i have to take a look at my calendar make sure what day of the week it is what week it's in month and just figure out exactly where we're at because it's kind of where the summer has gone so today i get to be joined by amos mcgee and um you know i i kind of oftentimes intro manny lagos as like mr soccer minnesota but i feel like you could be right in that same category as far as what you've contributed Amos to the soccer community in the state of Minnesota. Would you, would you qualify yourself right up there? I mean, you've been around um, a long time. I, yeah. uh, gray hairs, wrinkles, and age does not make you a Mr. Soccer of Minnesota. It simply means that you've, uh, you've spent enough time getting to know people and working with, 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 you know, boys and girls, men and women in this community to, to really appreciate the work that goes into soccer in Minnesota and the people who have contributed towards it. And, and now I'm in a position where, you know, I get to spend more time with those people and show my appreciation in different ways. So it's, it's been enjoyable. Am I correct in saying it's the president of youth development for Minnesota United? Is that the correct terminology now? Uh, vice president. Let's not oh, get it. Okay. Oh, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, vice president. No. Vice president of president or vice president. Congressional of approval to get to be a full president. <laughs> well, you spent enough time in DC. You know how that process works. I sh yes. Yep. <laughs> and that's why I moved away. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, but in all seriousness, I know when we talked to you, when you were named to this role, you were really excited about this opportunity to be a part of sort of this youth movement and not just from a soccer perspective, but community and, and getting people to love the game and getting kids to love the game. And even if they don't end up professional, just wanting to continue to grow this game and, and have people love it. Now that you're a bit in it, where do you feel like you're at? What kind of progress, what kind of challenges, what has like really been like, wow, that was, you know, and I might've asked you this before too, but like sort of an aha moment where you're just like, this is why I do what I do when I show up on the hard days. Cause not every day is easy. No, it's not. But I mean, uh, what the aha moment is that this is is such a uh, an incremental, uh, you know, incrementally moving forward job, which is to say that, you know, you're just trying to move all the pieces along little by little. You know, we talk a lot about how development of our players is not linear and the development of the academy isn't either. And, you know, frankly, the development of our entire football club isn't as well. We we take steps forward uh, in a positive way, um, feel good about it, and then sort of take a sidestep or a half step backwards as we try to 
adjust to a different sort of uh, you know force of nature or a different set of stimuli and then we got to move forward in a different way with different people and so uh, in that sense it is really rewarding because every day presents a different challenge um, the focus of trying to individually develop players within the context of moving the entire academy program forward within the greater con you know uh you know within the greater context of trying to move the club forward wrap that up in a bun of of minnesota soccer and really trying to be a, a leading force and a beacon of soccer in minnesota and you can imagine the complexity of it all uh is exciting rewarding frustrating um but what that allows you to do is to enjoy your victories, to to kind of get rejuvenated for the next challenge ahead, to 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 appreciate the work being done by an individual coach and you know Cambridge Asante versus the work that Adrian and you know Cam are doing with the with professional players. So um, I don't know if that was an answer. That is simply the the way I think about it, which is we're all trying to make incremental piece, uh, you know, in, incremental steps forward which we think will inevitably, you know, affect the the greater whole of soccer in Minnesota. I hate to break it to you, but you got one major thing wrong there. It's not in a bun. It should be like in a hot dish. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. It should be fried on a <laughs> makes, stick. This is state fair exactly. time. Have you made it to the yeah, state right. fair yet? I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Please You're tell right. me you've made it to the fair and you've seen that, the largest pig or whatever. That is a, a staple in the Tuttle McGee family. Yes. Oh, sure. good. It's good yeah. to know. It's good to know. I have to drag Bobby to it. And it's oftentimes he doesn't end up going, or if he does, it has to be like for a work outing or something, you know, but it's yeah. not his thing. Whereas like, since we moved home, I'm like, I got to get to the state fair once for just a couple hours, you know, like right. you got to yeah. do it. So, but yeah, I prefer hot dish over in a bun um, just because that's also a Minnesota staple. But when you look at MLS next and what the season looked like, I know it wrapped up in July and I know we're kind of jumping ahead because we didn't even hit on the 15s, 17s and 19s and sort of the youth movement. What, what did you see from the MLS next this season that really was like, you know, that was a couple steps forward. We interviewed a lot of players during the season. We talked to cam, you know, second year of that team. What did you see from that group? And then also, how do you see the younger academy kids contributing to that going forward and hopefully in some way, shape or form? Yeah. So I mean, the MLS Next Pro uh, in its second year is already far ahead of where I think it was last year. Um, you know, Cam's got a better group this year, more exciting younger players, um, some some really quality, experienced older players to help lead the way. Positive contributions for first team players that are coming um to play with uh with minnesota united too um so that i think that is taking natural steps forward mls next as a youth uh, you know as a national youth league you know again this was my first year experiencing it you know rolling up my sleeves and getting in the middle of it um i'm really impressed i'm impressed with the quality of coaching certainly in our academy and, and other academies we compete against uh, the level of player is, you know, as far surpasses when you and I, Kendra, were playing youth soccer. Um, the the level of events, the way they put on events, um, all of it is is it's real. It, it is it is exciting. It's an exciting platform for players to to compete at and to develop in. Um, and what that's done here in Minnesota is it's really allowed us to to vet players um in our academy really challenge them 
both competitively, developmentally, and as normally happens, some cream rises to the top. And at that point, we skim that off and push them on up to, to cam and see how they do there. And, you know, with with almost no exception, they've they've swum when they've been put into the MLS Next Pro Pool of, of Minnesota United 2. So our academy kids are going up there. They're competing well. They're training well. They're adding uh, to the quality of training um, Cam trusts them because they prove themselves trustworthy every day. Um, a lot of them have played important minutes for a team that is on the verge of a, you know, a, I think a point out of a playoff spot going into the last month of the season. Um, so that has been a really, really nice, um, you know, club built uh, as we've envisioned that when we when we added the second team. Um, certainly, I envisioned that when I came to work in the academy. Uh, in this space and you know that's a full credit to to the players and the coaches and the staff of both the first team and the second team and the academy you know all three all three staffs are, are working hard at trying to to provide a pro player pathway um, and move Minnesota kids along that with the younger age groups with the 15s and the 17s in particular because 19s is kind of a weird spot sometimes with that age group where they may be out of high school but college you know it's kind of a funky age group but with the 15s and the 17s how do you feel like that has gone in the state of minnesota because that's a relatively new thing here the minnesota united academy i mean we and i mean going back to our youth days holy smokes i can't keep track of all the different things the ecnl versus the mpl there's this and there's like mysa but then there's a you know i, I cannot keep track listening to all my sister and brother-in-laws talk about it so how do you feel like minnesota united academies 15s and 17s in particular, whatever age group you guys are looking to expand to has done and grown and the process of getting the word out there and the benefits of kids going to that program and maybe leaving whatever current club and high level club that they're at. How do you see that going right. so far? You know, I mean, there, there's, there's a couple of things to think about it. One, I think uh, anecdotally, observationally, and, and probably metric wise, uh, MLS next is on the boys side, um, the highest level of youth soccer in our country. Um, so for the top kids in Minnesota, naturally, I think they're there. They're some of the top kids because they're competitive, they're driven, they would want to play in the top level. So we certainly provide that platform for them. Um, but, you know, we, we are reliant right now, but for touchstone programming, where we're able to, you know, with a lot of ID and discovery events, you know, figure out who some of the top younger players coming through are, get a little chance to work with them, get a sense of their work habits, their coachability, all those different pieces, what they're like as kids. Um, we are reliant on a lot of really good people doing a lot of really good work in our community. Um, you know, I'm asked about, you know, youth soccer in Minnesota all the time, and we certainly have a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of work to do. Um, as a state, uh, but you know, I am struck continually by people who are doing really good work um, with sometimes you know restrictive resources, players, fields, you know, indoor time, outdoor time. All of those pieces are real challenges that are unique to Minnesota. Um, we have to get better here. Uh, a lot of the metrics talk about how you know our state is behind other states of similar size. Um, so you know, in Minnesota. With Minnesota United, we feel like we've got to take some leadership in, in really pushing forward how we develop players in this uh, in this state, you know, and inevitably in this country. So, 
Um, I, I'm really pleased with, with again, a lot of good people doing good work here with the understanding that there's still more good work to do and we've got to help provide support resources and, and guide, you know, leadership to guide all of us to those better places. Speaking of support and partnerships and leaderships, and you have this cooperative that you sort of joined with Spring Lake Park on, and even the homestay program that you guys are sort of implementing, how do those things help you get the 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 best players to come here, to be a part of this, to join this? And, and even because, I mean, how much at the age groups you're working with too, is it about ensuring the parents that this is the right choice for their child to enter into this kind of a commitment and maybe with that homestay program specifically and then the cooperative with Spring Lake. Yeah, sure. So we did, um, let me just go back and say that previously we've trained our 15s, 17s and 19s um, after school, sort of basically the same time. That limits our staff resources, it limits um, you know, field time. So it was an imperfect solution. So one of the first things I did was, was I really wanted us to look at training times and how we could maximize our resources. Um, again, as I addressed, you know, previously, Minnesota is limited and it's a unique situation, um, based on having to spend four or five months indoors. Um, and so we looked at it and decided as a staff and uh, that if we could train them at three separate times, we could get the 19s, which is essentially the third team in our club, get them along a similar professional schedule to the first team and the second team that would allow interchangeability, uh, you know, and flow from 19s to second team, second team to first team, uh, you know, and vice versa. So we thought that was really important. Uh, our 17s to get them to train from two to four as opposed to four to six allows them full field. And same with our 15s going four to six after school. So you look at that and I did not want our kids, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a son of educators. Uh, I did not think that as we look at the overall holistic development of kids in our academy, didn't want them to go and just sit in a classroom do all online school with a tutor that comes in and and occasionally helps them. I wanted uh, I wanted for our kids more emotional social development. I wanted them to be in an environment where they're meeting people different genders, meeting people outside of soccer, meeting people that come from different socioeconomic backgrounds, whatever it might be. I thought that was really important to the growth and development of our players. So we. Spring Lake Park is a very innovative, smaller school district that um, we met with. We met with the superintendent and eventually the director of curriculum at the high school. And we were blown away by their ability to be nimble and to be creative. Um, and so we, as we shifted over this schedule to training time to better benefit our players, to be able to spend more time individually with them, to be able to build out on what we're trying to do, I didn't think it was fair for us to do that and say to, uh, to our families, to our academy families, uh, fend for yourself, just make sure you get our kid here. We had to provide what we thought was a proper solution or a good solution for them should they choose to, uh, choose, choose to utilize it. Spring Lake Park has a great open enrollment program. Um, so we provided, uh, there are counselors at Spring Lake Park High School is providing for us. Um, there's counseling and there, there's, a, like I said, the director of curriculum 
who's fantastic, who's able to help us navigate our kids should they choose to enroll in Spring Lake Park um, that allows them to do some online, some you know bricks and mortar in-person school, some hybrid pieces um, with, with proper guidance and counsel from, from the school and the school district. So overall, we think it's really uh, allowed our academy to grow on the field while, while not um, limiting what they can do off the field and what how they're going to grow and develop um, as kids. So I think can I so just say quick too, before we move on to the homestay thing, like I just can't believe like how, how refreshing is it too and nice to have a school district like Spring Lake Park that is willing to be nimble and work with you because oftentimes it's just not the case anymore. And then also like to, that's got to be somewhat of a, like a recruiting tool, knowing for these families and these kids that you are have gone this extra mile to provide this and make sure that this is still their opportunity and not just focusing on the soccer perspective and kind of it being all encompassing as we see kids bounce around the United States at younger age groups to join different academies. And sometimes they'll have been in three different academies by the time they get to the first team somewhere. So how important do you think that could be for you guys going forward in that aspect? And then second of all, just like refreshing that, there's people that are willing to work together on that and be nimble and, and sort of come together on something like that. No, for sure. It is, it is really important. Um, you know, we've had a lot of people, you know, a lot of families that we've talked to that are outside the Metro area who the idea of being able to have their kid come here and play for Academy, but not go fully online. It's a huge plus. So yes, recruiting, I think it helps. Um, I, you know, what I've come to learn Kendra is, you know, I'm daily impressed with Spring Lake Park and the people that are involved at the high school and on the district level. But there are other school districts that are also trying to be nimble. Post-COVID has changed the, the face of, I think, how we think about education. Um, so we have a lot of kids that go to their school district and go to their high schools and say, hey, this is what's going on. Can you help me solve it? And a lot of these high schools are able to figure that out. So, you know, uh, Look, public education can be much maligned or much celebrated. It's, you know, it's obviously a lot of, a little bit of both um, or a lot of celebration. Some, and I'm not going to get on a political uh, side here. What I can say is when I go back to talking about good people doing good work, uh, again, we we live it every day with, with Spring Lake Park and some of the other school districts, which are helping their kids uh, make it work coming into our academy. So then how does that transition to the homestay aspect? And is that something that is new for you guys as we we talk about the cooperation with Spring Lake Park? But how does the homestay situation and program help you guys? And what does that what does that look like for you moving forward? And how do families even do it? Like if they want to find more information about these things, how does that come about? Well, there's a couple of different pieces. One for Minnesota families that are applying to be a host family, there is a sense that you know, Minnesota United has, you know, has their ducks in a row when it comes to looking after the education. If a kid is, you know, if we, uh, we have a host family that's in Hopkins, they don't need to go in and try to sort out a specific schedule with the Hopkins public schools. We're going to do that at Spring Lake Park. And we've just got to figure out how to get them from, you know, from their house to, uh, to Spring Lake Park High School um or to our training facility if they're on the 19th so that's a big piece um for our host families but more for the for the kids who are coming in from out of market 
you know, we, we, we can put them uh, on a Zoom call with Spring Lake Park High School, with the assistant principal, with the curriculum director, with guidance counselors, and they know that, you know, that uh, their son is going to be looked after uh, academically. And they don't, it doesn't have to be a step back academically to take a step forward soccer. It can be a step forward soccer and a step forward academically. And then we believe also with the bricks and mortar piece, with the in-person piece that can be a step forward, you know, socially as well. And then just lastly for you, now that you're in this role, and I don't know if it's how you feel about, you know, do you ever wish that you were like back on, do you ever wish you were coaching? Do you ever wish you were like in the thick of it and on the field doing training sessions, even the academy level? And correct me if I'm wrong, if you're already filling in, you know, like, hey, uh, so-and-so's out sick, sick today, Amos, you're in charge of the the 15s, you got to come up with a training session and go out and put the cones out there and, and figure it all out. Like, do you miss that? Do you do that ever? I mean, you just well, coaching been, your been, daughter. You were coaching your daughter for a bit, I think. Yeah, I've been coaching all three daughters. Okay. But, um, that, uh, yeah, this, that's been an absolute blast. Um, it's a little bit of a different level than, <laughs> than what we're doing up here. Um, I have been able to jump on the field a little bit. That has been enjoyable. Um, one of the things I'm reminded uh, about every time I do is one, the level of player is, you know, as far superior to, to when I was coaching regularly uh, at a youth level. Um, and uh, the other piece that I am struck by is, you know, the level and quality of the coaches that we have in our academy. They are uh, very detailed. They spend a lot of time thinking about how to get the most out of the entire team, but also the individual so within that context, um, you know, I'm reminded when I get on the field of what good hands our our, uh, our academy players are in with our staff. Um, you know, as much as I, you know, it's enjoyable for me to 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 work with them and to you know go over concepts and ideas and principles that are, I think, you know, really beneficial to players developing and growing as soccer players. So you don't throw the boots on and there's no like staff game. I mean, have I missed this to just come up and watch and observe alumni game? Like what would we be all of that? I would last Kendra about seven <laughs> minutes before my calf hamstring and or quad would go. It'd be a magical seven minutes. I'll tell you. Oh yeah. I bet. I bet. I can't imagine that Ben Grossman hasn't thrown something together up there yet. Cause I saw him playing some staff, some, you know, uh, broadcaster games uh, in uh, Australia there that's and that was a high quality competition. I noticed I wasn't invited to any of those, but that's okay. I don't need to make they're, I didn't need to go up against here. Carly Lloyd. Their loss. I'll just tell you that <laughs> if Ben Grossman comes up here, um, I'll have Adi man mark him. So <laughs> that would be I like phenomenal. My yeah, yeah I, I like your chances too. No offense, Ben. I like your chances. Well, yeah. Amos, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you have a, a million things going on, so I always appreciate you taking the time. I'm excited to see the growth of, of the Academy and the youth players and right up to MLS Next and all the things you guys have going on. So I appreciate I just appreciate your devotion to youth soccer in the state of Minnesota because I know it's, as we said, it's not always easy and it's incremental movements and maybe sometimes it feels like two steps forward, one steps back or whatever it might be, but those, those positive like light bulb moments are always fun to see and see how well these guys do. And like the, you know, the tournaments and GA and everything else and, and hearing about their trip to Florida this last year for the GA um, from Noel. I just think all these things, like these are moments I think that are like, okay, yes, this is why I get up and do the grind on the days that it feels like a grind. So we appreciate you. No, yeah. Thanks a lot. It's like I said, there's, 
a lot of good people in Minnesota trying to improve our state soccer wise and I'm excited to be a part of it. So, yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Amos. Have a great rest of your whatever day it is, Tuesday, and uh, we'll I see you around. <laughs> I don't need that. Yeah. I, had to look, I had to look at my calendar. <laughs> Thanks, uh -huh. Amos. All right, everybody, stay tuned. Segment number two coming up with Andy Greeter on the backside of this uh, commercial break. Thank you. Looking for a way to get closer to your club? For just $25, Loons fans can join the Preserve, Minnesota United's official season ticket waitlist. Waiting usually isn't fun, but this waitlist comes with benefits. Being a member of the Preserve gives you early access to MNUFC single-game tickets, partial season plans, and group tickets, as well as special pre-sales for other marquee events that come to Allianz Field. Visit mnufc.com preserve to join. Hello, everybody, and welcome back for segment number two of Sound of the Loons. This week, we are doing a Tuesday podcast. We know Minnesota United has a crazy week with another midweek game on Wednesday, and then they're on the road on Saturday to San Jose, as we kind of discussed earlier in the podcast as well. And we also know our next guest is extremely busy, not just with Minnesota United, but also with the University of Minnesota and the Golden Gophers football, Andy Greeter, the National Sports Media Association Sports Writer of the Year. Does that like, how long does that continue on until the next one gets handed over or what? Well, well, just to clarify, they give them out in each state. So Either I'm not, way. I'm not the national, I'm the Minnesota co sports writer of the I'm going to go with it. Just take it. Just go with it. And so, you know, and even in the state of Minnesota, there are a lot of sports in this state and a lot of writers yeah. in this state. So you just, you just grasp that and, and, and run with it. Don't, don't yeah, hide from the fact that you put in your time. Well, thanks, Kendra. I appreciate that. Sorry. My, I had to let facts get in the way, but yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a cool, it's a cool honor to, to be, uh, you know, selected by my peers among my peers for this. So yeah, me and, Patrick Royce at the Star Tribune shared this year's honor from the something called the National Sports Media Association. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a cool thing and, and got to present Patrick with his award because he didn't make it to the banquet in North Carolina in June. So I got to hang out with that uh, crotchety old man, the legend in the business that is Patrick Royce. I was just going to say, there's no age limit on these things. They just, just no, I'm just kidding. Patrick Royce, you said it. He is like, yeah, I mean, he's a little bit timeless and he's a little bit traditional, which is what makes him so great in this time where media and reporting and journalism and everything has changed so much. He has survived and advanced every step of the way, not just survived in advance, but thrived. So I, I know you can appreciate uh, people like that that have been around a long time. And I appreciate that you get recognized for all the hard work you put in because oftentimes, you know, you do, you do what you do every day and you don't, you're not expecting recognition, right? That's not why you do what you do, but when it happens, it's, it's kind of nice, right. To know that your hard work pays off. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's nice to, to know that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the thing that I like to point out is, you know, at the, at the pioneer press, we've got a, a short staff and there's five or six of us and, and all of us are, are covering multiple things within the same time frame. So I was lucky enough to get it, but there's a lot of, of teammates that I have at the Pioneer Press that deserve it just the same. Awesome. Well, I we appreciate you. I know we do, especially at Minnesota United. And I know in the past six years when I was there and 
Um, you know, in, in the beginning is with soccer, it's hard to find beat reporters for that sport because it wasn't necessarily top of everybody's radar, even as popular as soccer has been in Minnesota for so long. It's it, yeah. as you stated, we have every major sport college and professional in the twin cities area, let alone the broader Minnesota. So um, the fact that you devote a massive chunk of your time to, I know that they appreciate it as well. And I want to kind of dive into that because, because you have been around since Minnesota United went to MLS and you've seen the growth of this team and the ups and downs of this team and some of the challenges and the highs and the lows and acquisitions and signings and transfers and everything else in between. If you looked at 2023 and I'm sure you have done interviews and podcasts yourself, because you go on as guests Mm -hmm. oftentimes, where did you think Minnesota would be at this point this season? How were they in relation to what you thought they would be and how do you see them finishing now with some of the midseason acquisitions? I know that's a lot in one question, but sort of to lump in 2023. Yeah, I think when you when you look at the fact that, you know, Emmanuel Reynoso missed, you know, over 40% of the season. Um, you know, I think that was always something that was such an unknown to start the year that, you know, with him back now, I think you the expectations change, right? Knowing that you have such a difference maker. Obviously, the baseline is is to make the playoffs and they're kind of right at the playoff line. So I think that, you know, they're kind of right where the base minimum of, of what they need to be is. Um, I think that, you know, you're kind of always looking for, for more with this team, to be honest, right. You're always trying to see what the next gear is, right. Even on, even on Sunday against Seattle, you're trying to, to see if they're able to break through and, and, and score the winner. And, and it just feels like there's, there's a governor on this team for whatever reason that they just can't find that, that extra thing to to push on. I think when you sign a, a player like Timu Puki, you expect the the level to raise, you expect the goals to come. And I think that's been, you know, a, a bit of a surprising thing to f- see him on the, on a 680 minute goalless drought. I, I don't think people expected that. So um, I think they're, they're kind of in striking distance. They've got 10 games left. There's a lot of season left to be played and and their goals are all still right in front of them. But to this point, it's kind of been in that slightly above average range where they have been for a number of years now. And it's, it's crazy because to your point about Emmanuel Reynoso, I think everybody felt the same way is what, what is his team going to look like without him when he was gone in the beginning, but then actually they started off really well. And I think part of that was, and this is just my own personal opinion the team wanting to do well in spite of his absence, because everybody was asking about when is Amanda Reynoso, how are you going to survive? He's your number 10. Your team is built around this guy, which most teams are built around their number 10s. That's not like something unusual or crazy, but they almost did it in spite of him. And then you also lose Robin Lud, which I think was a massive blow to this team, not just because of his abilities, but just what and so it was like this weird double whammy. You got Reynoso back. Robin Lode goes out with an injury and just what he brings from a consistency standpoint. So then the team gets Reynoso back and then you're kind of like, okay, now we should be flying here. Even with the absence of Robin, there should be some acceleration and some liftoff here. Mm-hmm. And this team is again, last year was sitting in fourth position much of the season. And then all of a sudden at the end of the year, you're like scrambling to get the points at the last minute to, you know, all of a sudden decision day is super meaningful and you're watching other results and you're trying to find a way into the postseason, which they did four years in a row, which no one in this current climate in the Western Conference had done. Mm-hmm. So t- I'm with you in that this team just feels like there's something more to be had, but how does it cross over that line where 
the yeah. the standard and the expectation isn't to make the playoffs. The standard is to a you know host a game and right. then go farther into the playoffs and be be real confident and successful in those moments. So to your point about Timu Puki, you're there every day or, or just about at training. What have you seen from him? What's the energy? What's the vibe? Because we also know with goal scores, when they're not scoring, he's he's a seasoned veteran, but it doesn't mean you can't get frustrated. And it builds and you push and you force it. We saw it with Luisa Maria. You know, what do you see from, from him day in and day out? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of times just during games, you see him make runs and and they're kind of fruitless, right? He he doesn't get the the service that I think he's looking for. I think there's a lot of times where he's kind of putting his arms up or looking at teammates and either wanting to pass earlier or even at all. And I think, I, I don't feel like there's been that connection, right? Obviously him and Reynoso connected on an amazing goal on July 12th. And it was kind of like, wow, there, there is the lightning in the bottle that these two guys can have together. But it was, it was just that. And it was, it was then gone. And I think we've always kind of been waiting for that. I think, it's been really difficult because he's obviously fighting himself now. Obviously he expects to have scored multiple goals by this time and not be stuck on one. So he knows it. You can sense that he's getting frustrated. You can sense that he expects more out of himself and the fans expect more out of him. So um, I think you, Adrian is trying to be positive, right? That's what he said on Sunday to just kind of find ways to enjoy your football, right? Even if the goals aren't coming, even if you're questioning yourself to, enjoy what you're doing out there. I think what's interesting is that, you know, we don't see a whole lot in training and, and, you know, he's not always kind of involved in some of the, the after effects, right. The, the kind of finishing drills at the end. And he takes does that a lot surprise of you? It, it kind of does. Cause I, I, you know, I'd imagine that he would be, you know, kind of front and center in those things. And, and often once the session's over, he's done as well. Um, I mm-hmm. think, you know, it was, it was curious because obviously at Norwich, you know, you saw the goal production dip off in his last year at Norwich in the championship. And I think that was a bit concerning to see that the production wasn't at the same level it was in those first two years in the championship. And Adrian Heath and Mark Watson were, you know, outwardly very confident that there was going to be no drop off when he was here. And certainly there, there has been, you know, and they build him as the biggest signing in club history. And I would contend that Reynoso was obviously given the the transfer fee, given the pedigree, given the weight, given the age, uh, given the dynamism that we see on the field. Um, but it was obviously a very big signing and he's got a very big wage bill, uh, even if he came in on a free transfer. So, yeah, I mean, everyone's looking for more from him. And I think it starts with him and, and Adrian is still confident, still says he's confident that the goals will come and that, you know, even if he wishes that he would have, five or six or seven at this point that in these next 10 games, maybe you can still get five or six more. So um, there's still hope, but you know, you're still kind of waiting to, to see him, see him do more and, and create more. And and I think that everyone's just kind of left wanting more. Well, and you know, it's interesting because a lot of times it feels like with those kind of players, it's just the quality and the finishing. They don't need 15 chances in a yeah. game and they miss him wide and this and that and the other, but the right, the problem is right now he's not even getting the chances So if you can even get him the chance, he's so clinical that he will just find a way to pass it into the corner. Like he's not going to try to do too much. He's not going to try to overpower it. He just, if if you give him the opportunity, he will likely put it away. Um, And I just, it kind of sounds like he's just not getting the opportunities in the moments. And yeah, as a goal scorer, that just builds. So then when you look at this team coming off Leagues Cup, 
which they had a tremendous run aside from the last game. So it's hard for the last game not to leave this sort of bitter taste in your mouth with the way that ended. But what did you see from the team during League's Cup? Anybody in particular step up to you that maybe surprised you? Or was it sort of the same rotation of squad that you're used to seeing in MLS play? But yeah. the, the schedule is just so crazy. And then mm-hmm. how do you see them coming out of it? I know it's only been a, a, a couple games and a handful of, you know, all of a sudden it's going to be thick and fast. But how did you see them come out of it and have a little bit of a break there? Yeah, I think it was really uh... – um, Bongi Halangwane's time to shine, right? You know, it was fun to kind of have the the golden boot race with him and Messi at the top of it for a while, right? It was it was fun to kind of have that kind of connection for Minnesota United fans with you know the greatest player of all time, and and Bongi was scoring you know so many goals and doing it and so dynamically and having such a joy about the way he was doing it, right? I think he brings such uh, you know excitement and love for the sport, and fans really embrace that about him. So he was really kind of a you know, he had, he was he was already Minnesota's leading scorer in MLS play and just kind of stacked up, I think, was it seven goals in league's play on top of it, right? So it was really kind of his time. And now we're seeing the fact that, you know, he's he's out, right? He he took that knee, uh, knock to the knee in the in the New York City game and left halfway through that and and didn't play in Seattle. And, and today on Tuesday, before they play Colorado on Wednesday, he didn't train. It doesn't sound like he's going to be able to to play here uh, on Wednesday. So, you know, when you lose your leading scorer, a guy who I I think we also need to acknowledge the fact that, you know, he was finding spaces because of runs that Pookie was making, right. The, the space that was, was opening up for him while, while Pookie wasn't providing the end product, his threats were kind of creating space and opportunities for Bongi. I think, you know, Pookie had an assist in leagues cup as well. So, you know, there's there's that fact that, you know, it's it's such a team game, especially in attack when you try to try to stretch and combine. And, uh, you know, the fact that we, they don't have Bongi now and and it sounds like it it was kind of like, well, we're going to see after New York. It was we're going to see maybe give him a couple of days and see if he's ready for Seattle. And then it was, well, maybe we can you know, give him a couple more days and maybe he's ready for Chicago or excuse me for Colorado. And I think it's kind of a day to day thing. But at this point, he's. He's been missing quite a few training sessions, so he's going to need to build up before he gets back. But he's just been such a key player. And the guy who's been producing the end product that Minnesota United fans have wanted for so long, he's the guy that's been doing it on the right wing. Uh, so to not him, not, not have him, I think you saw that in the Seattle match, right? You didn't have you didn't have the width, you didn't have the finishing, you didn't have the speed to kind of spring on counterattacks. And and he was a player that was certainly missed after you know really starring in their great. League's Cup run. Well, and I think it's just to your point, it's the runs that he makes and how dynamic he is. He really keeps the opposition off balance because you don't know if he's going to cut inside. You don't know if he's going to go to goal. You don't know if he's going to pass. He's willing to make the runs into wide areas, you know, and get in line. He's willing to track back defensively. And then his finishing has gotten so much better, I think, you yeah, know, um, yeah. since his first year. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, when he came on, he was kind of like really forcing it. He was so high energy. And now it's gotten a little bit more measured and balanced in his finishing. And he's just a likable guy. You know, he just has mm-hmm. this incredible personality and this great smile. And this, to you said, 
a joy about the game. So going forward, let's say hypothetically, he's not available for Colorado and he's not available for San Jose or whatever mm-hmm. that might be. Cause you just never know how these injuries go. I don't know if you remember, but Joao Klaus, you know, got injured in April and was supposed right. to be out for two weeks. <laughs> we keep waiting for him to come back. So you just mm-hmm. never know with the way right. these injuries go. And, and it's not a major injury where they need surgery. It's almost worse because there's such an uncertainty about mm-hmm. the comeback from it. So what do you see this team looking like when they don't have him, when you're missing that dynamic piece? How does that void get filled? And then specifically, what do you see in this Colorado game coming up already on Wednesday? And then we'll have to talk about San Jose because – by the time this podcast gets rolled around and wrapped around, we're going to be heading right into the weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'd imagine I asked Adrian about how they might set up because with, with, with Bongi on Wednesday, and it sounds like it's going to be likely very similar to what they did against Seattle with, with Joseph Rosales, central midfielder on the left wing and the Sonny Dotson, a central midfielder on the right wing. And I think that that irks fans because they'd like to see more, see players in more natural positions. Right. I think, Ishmael Tajiri Shirati, when he came on in the in the second half of the Seattle game, kind of had a little bit of a, a spark to him, right? I think he had one of their best chances in the game. And I think fans are looking for some of that to continue. And it sounds like, you know, Adrian likes what, what Joseph and Hassani did in white areas, even if it was maybe, a, you know, a not fitting on the right foot. But uh, um, I, I'd imagine that it's going to probably stay the same. And I'd, I'd imagine that Tajiri Shirati comes off the bench on Wednesday. So, you know, I think it's, it's, it's interesting because Franco Fragapane has found himself to be on the outside looking in, you know, he doesn't have a goal here this year. And I asked Adrian a couple of weeks ago about Fraga and he said, you know, I'm going to pick guys that I feel are the best to, to win a game. And I think that was, um, that was telling about where he thinks of Franco Fragapane on the left wing right now. And that's why you see Joseph Rosales in that spot instead. You know, I think, Adrian has brought on Sang Bin Jong and Mender Garcia and Mender obviously had the, the clinching goal in New York. So those are kind of the options that they have an attack. And, you know, Pookie hasn't played, you know, 90 minutes yet. And I think that's interesting because, you know, he's been, he's been kind of fighting himself a little bit. And is this an opportunity either on Wednesday or on, on Saturday to, to have him come off the bench and mix it up. And maybe he's coming in when a back line is tired and maybe he can kind of create those, those spaces and those runs and those back shoulder things to, to be challenging. I I'd imagine that that Adrian is going to stick with the same 11 or something very close to it, because that's usually how he operates. You know, he doesn't have a, a, a long bench and, and likes to go with the guys that have, that have brought him here. And I think that'll, that'll continue. And then when you look at just how this Western conference has sort of shaped out, and 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 we're looking down the stretch run here. I can't believe how few games there are left already. It's like you came out of legs, Leagues Cup and the season's like almost over because it wasn't legitimately like a halfway point, you know, and just before that you had the All-Star game. So how do you see this Western Conference shaping up? Anything stand out to you as well that's like shocking, good or bad? Or what have you what have you seen from this West? Yeah, I mean, just to kind of reiterate that, you know, given the fact that Colorado's in last place, it's just such a vital three points midweek game at home, a place that Minnesota has struggled at this year to, to really make sure that they get, you know, all three points against Colorado, because, you know, you go on the road and play a San Jose team. That's, that's, you know, solidly in the playoff field. And, and then from then it's, you don't have kind of these, these gimme type games. There's a lot of challenging games left on the schedule. Um, you know, I think the, the, you know, Minnesota United is in a pretty decent spot, just given, you know, the problems that Portland has had, right. And firing Gio Savarisi and, and kind of being, 
you know, buried in 12th a little bit and kind of having a, a few more games in Minnesota, Kansas City, as well as as a couple more games played. So I think, you know, you can see a little bit of a, a floor establishing beneath Minnesota, but that said, they still have to make up ground and, and get in the playoffs. I think you know, I asked Adrian about it today that, you know, the, the playoff field is expanded, right, from seven to nine teams, right? So getting in the playoffs doesn't mean exactly what it used to in the past. And also, once you're there, then you have wild card games on top of it, right? So it's kind of, it can be kind of a crapshoot eight, nine wild card matchup in that first week after decision day. So then you have a quick turnaround. And there's such a benefit in, in getting on more solid ground and getting into that sixth, seventh, even in fifth place or so, because then you, you're solidly in the playoffs and then you have a three game series and you're really kind of in the thick of it. So, you know, it's not just getting in the playoffs. I know that that's been brought up a lot. And obviously it's, it's an accomplishment, but when you look at other teams in the East that have done it, there are a lot, they've had a lot longer streaks. You look at teams in the West that just got knocked out, like, you know, Portland and Seattle and Seattle had made it like 10 years in a row. Right. And it won a trophy last year, won CONCACAF champions league. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice accomplishment, but I think there's, there needs to be a grain of salt with it, that, that that's not the end goal. Right. You know, I, I talked to Bill McGuire for a Q and a last week and, he said, obviously the goal is, is more, right. That's what this, that's what this team wants. It's, it's not just getting in the playoffs, but making noise once they get there. And I want to ask you about that because I know you, you mentioned doing a Q and a with Dr. Bill McGuire, which, you know, he doesn't do a whole lot of interviews, you know, unless asked, he doesn't show up. He doesn't like his presence known too often. He's at every game, but he's not one of those guys that's like out in front. Right. What has been your maybe favorite interview that you've done Minnesota United wise. If, if people mm -hmm. don't know, and they haven't like, you know, it's not a game story per se. Like what, yeah. what's, what have you done that you've really enjoyed or like maybe was like super refreshing or insightful for you? Yeah. You know, I, I really enjoyed last year doing a, a feature on Sean Bigness, right. The assistant equipment manager who's come famous for his ball catching at the end of warmups. Right. I think that's, that's a real fun story for me just because of kind of the fact that he's, you know, the guy behind the guy, right. He's not the star player, and he's not the one that's going to get the praise. He's the one that's that's folding the laundry and making sure that the, the proper boots are in the lockers, right? And here he is. He kind of found a way to try to maximize his job and, and do his job better. And, and fans have appreciated that. And I think he really enjoys kind of being in that spot. You know, I did a, a story earlier this year on, on Song Bin Jong when he went to the Korean Immersion School. And that was great just to see how engaging Song Bin was with those little kids and kind of helping them with their crafts or reading them, reading, reading a book to them or listening to kind of musical performances and kind of the respect and, and uh, relationship that he has with the Korean culture. And I thought that one was really cool just because, you know, I see so much soccer and so many things about training and games and locker rooms and injury reports. And this was none of that. This was just, you know, a, a young guy who's come to Minnesota after having a tough year in Switzerland that kind of is embraced in St. Paul uh, in this Korean immersion school. I think that probably this year was my favorite story just because of the offbeat nature of it. I love that you said that too, because you're spot on. We spend so much time immersed in the actual game activities, yeah. practice training and what these guys and, you know, staff are on the field mm -hmm. and on the technical side of things that, 
you know, and I love, I think fans love to know these players off the field. They love to see other things that they are involved in, whether it's family or community or Mm -hmm. otherwise. So I love those kind of stories. I I totally appreciated the bigness story. I'll just never forget, you know, when we were getting on the bus and I think it was in Portland, you know, and they were waiting for, for him to come out and get on the bus. And I I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I think Adrian was just a titch jealous (laughs) that they didn't want to see you. They weren't asking for Inchi. They were asking for bigness, the ball catcher. So that was pretty, pretty awesome. I'm sure that made Biggs feel pretty good because those guys work incredibly hard. And so it's uh, fun to see you shine a little light on them as well. And, And of course, Song Bin in the community. Cause I just don't think there's always enough of that, not from Minnesota United per se, but just in general, these guys getting mm-hmm. out into the community and I'm really grasping onto some of that stuff. So that's pretty great. So I appreciate you taking the time today. I know you got to run, you've got a thousand different things in a million different directions going on. And uh, so, yeah, I appreciate you taking the time and I'm sure we look forward to all your uh, continuing of and writing the digital aspect and everything else to see how Minnesota United wraps up this season. So thank you so much, Andy. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure. All right, everybody, that does it for uh, this episode this week of Sound of the Loons. We'll chat to you again next week. We'll see if they get six points from the week and where Minnesota United sits in the standings after this. Uh, is this match day 29-30? I don't even know. It's hard to keep track, but I appreciate everybody tuning in next week. Mm-hmm.